I'm Mark Holland. And I'm Omar Algabra, and this is In Camera. And this week we got, uh, you know, this was much promised, and we have uh, consider this a promise kept. Uh, we have with us uh, the one and only Matt DeCourcy. So this is the Fredericton uh, episode of uh, the podcast. It was a, an important promise made by my uh, seatmate and uh, the gentleman, Mark Holland, who sits in front of me to have me on the show. And I'm honored to be here as your first guest. I am your first you guest. You are, right? indeed. And, and you know, uh, it, I mean, everybody already knows this, so I know I'm just really tilling ground that's already been tilled. But uh, Matt is a member of parliament uh, from, from Fredericton area. From Fredericton, representing the, the capital city of Fredericton, Oromocto, home to Base Gagetown, the home of Canada's Army, the Grand Lake region, and of course, the village of New Maryland. Wonderful places to live and raise a family, and a wonderful place to represent. And let's say somebody's never been to Fredericton. Let's say they've, and, and I don't, what, what would you, was the one thing they should Well, know you're coming with me to the market Saturday morning to sit and talk with people as they pass by. That's a, that's a weekly ritual for me. We've no, but a, I'm asking reasons they would come, not reasons they wouldn't come. <laughs> well, if they wanted to get away, we've got a walking bridge that would take them to the other side of the river where they could have a nice Picaroons craft beer at Can the new Roundhouse Can people still walk brewery. outside now that sounds good. in November? It's very much like Ottawa. i got to be honest. Fredericton is, is really a small Ottawa. You've got the government. You've got the universities. You've got a river that cuts right through the middle of it. It's well-camped. It's a gorgeous little Ottawa. You know, by the way, you're the 10th uh, guest speaker we've invited that accepted. So after nine people have I'm the first one to the accept. One that's what you're saying. Yeah. Omar shielded me from that. I yeah. didn't even know. He knows my, my ego's weak. <laughs> you had a screen up have, on this one, yeah. did you? <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't take it if you said no, Matt. Uh, but Matt also is a parliamentary secretary, your part for, uh, parliamentary secretary for Foreign Affairs. Yes. So uh, along with Omar, we support the work of our foreign minister, Christian Freeland. We had a wonderful launch today of um, Canada's national action plan, a renewal of our national action plan for the next five years as it relates to UN, the United Nations Resolution 1325 on Women, Peace and Security. And we really took an ambitious and whole of government approach working with civil society in Canada to make sure that we addressed some of the systemic issues that will allow women and girls uh, in places all over the world that could come into conflict or in conflict or, or, or are in post-conflict to better engage women and girls in peace building and uh, peacemaking and peacekeeping activities. And it may be self-evident, but, but just to illustrate the point, why is that important? Well, when, when women and girls are involved in peace building and peacekeeping initiatives, um, states tend to be more peaceful and peace is more durable. When women and girls are involved in the economy or given economic opportunity, we know that economic growth is greater for these very reasons. It's important to ensure that we better support the work of women and girls on the ground in developing nations and in conflict and post-conflict nations to help build stability in their regions. And that, of course, includes education and work with men and boys to ensure that they better understand the important role that women and girls play in uh, peace-building initiatives. You know, uh, um, Canada and uh, the former Prime Minister Lester Pearson was known uh, for initiating or starting this idea within the United Nations of peacekeeping. Uh, and Canada, to this day, is still known for that tradition and that legacy. Uh, I was at the announcement, and I uh, was reminded of that uh, uh, legacy that Canada has, and I felt, I've never felt so proud, because I feel this moment is another moment, a transfer, transformational moment, that Canada will be remembered for around the world, for taking this 
uh, initiative and pushing the rest of the world, including we're starting with ourselves. That's right. In ensuring that role of women and girl is central. And we do it at home as well as espouse those values onto the world. And that's why you've got a status of women minister who is working across ministries to ensure that there's a gender-based lens applied to all policy decisions. That's why this Women, Peace and Security New Action Plan has leadership and buy-in from um, our Defence Minister in the Canadian Armed Forces, our Development Minister Marie-Claude Bibot, and our Feminist Assistance um, Plan, um, led by, of course, Christopher Freeland, our Foreign Minister, but also um, Ralph Goodale, the Public Safety Minister, and other ministries and agencies of the Government of Canada to ensure that we are practicing what we preach both at home and abroad. And we know that, uh, I guess, for peacekeepers, uh, it's a really abysmal number of peacekeepers who are women. We were hearing that it's gone from 4.2, it's soared all the way to 4.4%. So just in that, obviously, there's a lot of work to do, just even in terms of uh, who the peacekeeping forces are. Yeah, and I, and I think that we understand that we have an important role to play in helping uh, enhance and increase uh, not just the numbers, but the impact that uh, women uh, and girls will have in all aspects of peace building, both military and civilian. And uh, on another note, uh, you know, I, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about uh, the, the, the events in uh, New York City, uh, a terrorism attack, that city visited by terror. Uh, yet again, uh, deeply unfortunate, and, uh, and obviously we, our hearts and thoughts go out to them right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, watching the news, um, uh, my heart sank, hearing yet again about another truck uh, driving over a, um, um, a pedestrian uh, area. Um, we heard of eight people uh, uh, losing their lives and others who got injured. Uh, this is uh, horrific. Uh, it needs to first be condemned in the strongest terms. Second, we need to reignite re and reaffirm our resolve to ending extremism, terrorism, and finding ways to combat it. Yeah, and obviously we, we have a lot to say on that. I mean, that's maybe something we can revisit as a separate topic um, for a different podcast. Um, and uh, so we'll leave, we'll leave that there for now, but I think we'll revisit that issue for sure. But one of the reasons that we wanted to bring uh, Mr. Matt DeCourcy in with us, obviously, is uh, he has the misfortune of sitting next to Omar. Hmm. Uh, I only have to, um, you know, do this podcast with Omar. You have to sit with him every day. I'm in front of you. Luckily, there's someone sitting on the other side of me just across the aisle. If I get too... Uh, <laughs> if it's if, too hard if for if you? It's too if I'm too encumbered with his You can kind of lean the other way and pretend he's not next to you. Yeah, that's it. But we thought we'd talk a little bit. I mean, it's Halloween this week, uh, so it was the lighter side of politics. I made an attempt at dressing like Ron Burgundy uh, from Anchorman. Uh, I think a lot of people just thought that was a fashion statement, that this is uh, this mustache and uh, red suit. Well, you suit. never looked so good. I, I, I know, that's true. <laughs> Maybe I should have considered keeping it, although, you, you know. kudos from folks across the aisle even, Mark. I mean, how rare is that? That's true, that's true. Although they may have wanted me to look bad, yeah, right? Well, we may have to, we have, may have to look at the nature of why they were encouraging that. But, you know, we... Uh, we joke about it, but we sit together for um, through votes for sometimes an hour and a half, two hours, because we have to do standing votes. We get to know each other pretty well. Uh, there were some uh, in the end of the last session. We were there many times uh, until midnight uh, voting, and we get a, we get an opportunity to talk and, and kind of joke around a little bit. And that's why I thought it would uh, be good to have you in to, to, to talk about some of the lighter side of uh, of the business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're real people who uh, exist and work in a in a public forum and I think that struck me maybe a number of weeks ago or perhaps a number of times over the course of the last two years where we'll be sitting in a vote 
late in the evening doing what for us is quite a routine thing um, and, and, and look around up in the gallery of the House of Commons and there are people who for, who for them this is high drama and high entertainment and that fishbowl effect sometimes gets lost on me. Of course, we're just interacting and talking about our days, um, joking about uh, that local sports team or um, you know the, uh, the tune that somebody was listening to on their their iPhone it's um, it's 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 neat to exist in that realm where you know we're doing something that for us is, is rather routine but has such a significant impact on people who are outside of the House of Common or who are watching either from above or abroad uh, and then understanding the impact of what yeah. we are doing and yeah and I mean I, I never lose a sense of awe of this place I, I think that you know this is we're very lucky to work on things that are very serious but I think that it's it could be intense to be serious all the time and I think you've got to and I, that's why yesterday was fun I made the prime minister uh, dressing up I think was fantastic we had a couple of members uh, what are the characters names from the Muppets oh, uh, Walder and uh, what is it Waldorf and Stadler, Stadler there you go Waldorf. there you pass the test there you go uh, up in the gallery and um, to, to find a way in the midst um, uh, to connect I mean I, it, it humanizes the place um, I think particularly when we can do it across the aisle that doesn't happen enough yeah. um, but I, you know I think it's important I know Matt said that, uh, that we're real people. I know some people also find that hard to believe, but it, <laughs> it, it's true. And we lose sight of that sometimes. We yeah. get wound up um, uh, for good reasons, but uh, uh, we, you know, it's the, the hour during question period and the hour in the evening where we go to vote is the only time where I'm disconnected from my computer, from my desk, uh, from talking to other people, whether constituents or other stakeholders who are coming and sitting with my colleagues and talking, either talking about serious subjects or talking about, uh, you know, stranger things or talking about... Uh, I haven't gotten into it. Have you ever watched that? You watched I haven't stranger gotten things? into it yet. I have, we have another colleague, uh, Leon Alislev, who's like all over me to get into stranger yeah. things. Have you haven't even seen the first season? No, I haven't gotten into the oh. first season. I mean, I think because yeah, you have to be up on pop culture, you know. I mean, what, do you, what happens when you're in your riding and people are asking you? Look, look, uh, I, I will admit that uh, I'm a huge fan of Riverdale. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know oh, if you okay. folks have I don't know. Yeah. We'll edit that out. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that out in post-production. Okay. But, uh, you know, I haven't gotten into Stranger Things quite yet. But, uh, but yeah, these are some of the conversations yeah. we have sitting yeah, around, you sure. know. Are you up to speed? Yeah, or? and, you know, I, one of the things that we used to – so when I, I used to be municipal council, one of the things we would do is at the end of every council meeting, because it would be every Monday night, uh, we'd go out and we'd have a beer. And uh, the thing that was good about it, you could be – you know, really intense in your debate, really going at each other, disagreeing vociferously. Uh, and then at the end, you go out and you have that beer and you kind of recognize that despite those differences, again, that, that you're, you're real people and uh, that you're, you're just standing up and trying to fight for what you care about. Uh, and you don't get that opportunity to see the other side of people, which I think is important. Um, I wanted to ask you, Matt, because we've been, we've been doing this thing here. Uh, and by doing this thing here, we did it once. Um, but we're going to do more of it because I think it's I think it's I think it's informative for people to kind of understand uh, what drives people to come to this place. It's like why politics? Why Matt DeCourcy decided to uh, to be in this place? Yeah. Uh, and when did that start in you? When did you know that politics was something you wanted to do? You know, I don't know if if I knew that elected politics was something I wanted to do from a very young age, but I had a tremendous interest in civic affairs and and the personalities of politics. And I can remember the 1993 election as a ten year old. 
um, paying close attention to all the leaders and uh, and I and I equate it with 2015 in a way because it was a large change election for and was, Canada. And just quickly on that, was was it unusual or is it fair to say maybe in Atlanta, Canada, that people are following politics more closely? Do you think? Well, I think politics is quite local in Atlanta, Canada. There's a unique attachment that people have to their elected officials and the proximity that we as elected officials have with constituents on the street and the way that uh, they are able to quickly connect with us. Again, Saturday market at the morning, I have all kinds of interaction with people. Uh, some real quick, hey, how are you? What about this issue, that issue? And some people will stand and talk to me or sit and talk to me for 15, 20 minutes at a time. There's something special about that, but... I think I always had kind of a... a so, yeah, a, so you're 10 years old, you're following the election. Following the election. You're into I'm it. I'm interested in it. That right? was the election was, that John Crutchan won a majority in. That's right. right. I would volunteer in that, that election. I was I was a little older than 10. I was uh, I was 17. But, yeah, so I remember it well. It was actually the election that I got really into politics. Yeah. yeah. So, so okay, keep going. Well, and... Uh, so then what happened? So then I get to high school. I'm involved in, in politics in high school. And then I get to like university. Student council Student council yeah. president at FHS. It was a big school. And I had a great year with it. I get into university, and Andy Scott, who is the member of yep, parliament in at Fredericton at the time, yeah, invites me to rest come. In peace. Yeah, poor Andy passed away a number of years ago, but he 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 invites me to come in and volunteer with him, and I get involved in the the then Paul Martin leadership campaign, and then I graduate from university. I come to Ottawa as an assistant for Andy, and I'm struck by how fascinating this place is. Right, so I think. The tendency toward community engagement at a younger age, coupled with the opportunity provided for me by Andy to be involved um, within that sparked it. politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, how? What's the the direct line to the nomination and coming to this place? So, what? Wh when did you know you were going to run? What was the story on your nomination? Oh, I I think I've been thinking about it for quite a while. I'd yeah. done some, by that point, you yeah, knew. I'd yeah. done some work overseas and knew that I wanted to get back to Fredericton because I wanted to run for office at some point and. Um, you know, I think our current prime minister was speaking the type of language that appealed to me, right? Being outward looking onto the community as opposed to insular, which I think we had tended toward for a number of years as a party. Um, but uh, that spoke to me and that was the, kind of the philosophy and the approach that I had adopted. And, uh, and so I was convinced by my family that now was the time to do it. Um, and uh, it was April 2nd, 2014, when I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. I woke up the next morning, called my, uh, what became, who became my uh, campaign manager, and we, we, ran, we ran on from there. Tough nomination that took place in November of 2014, and then started knocking on How doors. How many candidates were in the nomination? There were three of us, yeah. and it was, it was the largest ever nomination in Fredericton. Wow. Uh, and the biggest in New Brunswick, and mm. like top one or two in Atlantic Canada. It was, it was a great, great experience, and... It's probably the highlight of things so far was winning that nomination. Um, and then a lot of door knocking starting in January yeah. of 2015, right? I can remember the first night. It was January 8th. How was cold was it? Minus 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be on the phones at minus 30. I think, but yeah, yeah. That's commitment. That's commitment. But I, you know, like I've learned, uh, I love knocking on doors. Now, I'm glad to have a break from doing it every single day. But when I have the opportunity to get home on a Saturday and go knock on doors, quite enjoyable. Do you have any rural elements in your riding? Yeah, I do. About um, a third to a little over a third of my riding is rural. Um, and, um, and and we do focus on making sure that we that we spend time in those rural communities. Because canvassing rural areas is yeah, a, yeah, a new world than, than us, Mark it's and I, where we yeah. canvass in an urban I, center. I, I basically, well, now I'm down to like a concession that's rural. I used to have a large rural area. Right. And it is 
Uh, and it's incredibly hard to get around to, to those homes. But, uh, well, look, Matt DeCourcy, uh, we're so glad you made the decision to be in politics. We get to sit with you and glad you could be here. Too. Well, I am anyway. Omar probably isn't. But I'm, I might, I might after this conversation today, I might stop lobbying the Whip's office to move him to another area. People, people listening <laughs> shouldn't sympathetic. be taken by this. These guys enjoy all my humor when they're sitting there in long hours together. Don't be fooled by what they're feeding you today. Well, well yeah, no, I'm glad all of our listeners now know about you, uh, Matt, know where you sit, and that I truly enjoy uh, your company, and certainly uh, on serious matters and a lot of uh, humorous issues, you've been uh, providing a lot of uh, uh, insight and relief. Well, I have to say that the collegiality and the camaraderie of this place is one of the things that makes it so worthwhile to be here on a weekly basis, whether it's that hour in the house, the time we get to spend in the lobby together, and the extremely important work we do both domestically and internationally uh, for Canadians. It, uh, it yeah, it makes the sacrifice of being away a lot easier. There's, there's no question about yeah. it. Well, that's it for this week. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or things you'd like us to be focused on or talking about, let us know. Uh, this is uh, Mark Holland. And uh, Matt, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. I hope uh, now more of our colleagues will do what you did. You know, I hope you don't feel it was a mistake. Uh, but uh, this is Omar Al-Gabra, and you've been listening to In Camera.